your shot at $1,000. Now, text the keyword WIN to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and message rates apply. That's WIN to 200-200. Your home of the pen. XDX, FM, Pittsburgh, and iHeartRadio station. I remain convinced the Penguins should consolidate their best forward talent on two lines. Sid is playing just like Sid always does, I think. And then he's on pace for career lows in points per game and for goals in a full season. Sid is 30. Maybe he can't elevate line mates all the time. Or maybe Sid shouldn't be asked to. I'm telling you. Go with Sid, Gensel, Hornquist, Malkin, Hadlin, and Kessel. Rossard, Aston Reese, and Rust for more of a third line style third line and Sheary's odd man out if Aston Reese is healthy and until somebody gets hurt. I would give Daniel Sprong one more look. They won't. I would not look to give Shane extra minutes. They will. I don't get the love affair with Shane. He's done okay, but he's the fourth line center. He is what he is. Shane has 10 goals. And people think he's doing great. Sherry has 15, and people are disappointed. Shane isn't better offensively than Sherry. He is a better fourth-line center, though, so let him do what he does best. But you know what I wouldn't hate? I wouldn't hate Broussard at wing with Sid. Try to get them both going. But that would be temporary unless it really clicks. And Broussard was very good last night playing center. Sid was very good last night. Maybe I should have suggested that yesterday. Sick again. Brought to you by 84 Lumber. Helping you build the right way since 1956. Uh, a caller before made a pretty good argument for Nathan McKinnon of Colorado as the MVP if Colorado makes the playoffs. And McKinnon right now leads the league in points per game at 1.4, followed by Kucherov at 1.32, Malkin at 1.30, Marchand at 1.29, McDavid at 1.23. Sorry, I was trying to sneeze and I couldn't. That's weird. I'm like, <sighs> of course, I turned off the mic so you wouldn't hear that. And then I turned on the mic and imitated what I didn't want you to hear. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. The pit coaching search is just funny. Unless you're a pit fan. If you're a pit fan... You're either arrogant in your defense of the program or you're weeping like a young girl stood up for the prom. I think it's funny because I'm not emotionally attached to the problem that pit basketball has. But nobody will call this show to defend the program or tell me why that's a good job because you know it's not a good job and you know the program's indefensible. That's where Twitter's great. Twitter 
You might get another tweet responding, but nobody will cut you off when you're saying something stupid like I do, geez, pretty much every call on this program. Uh, Again, to repeat, uh, the, the new news today is that Hurley took less money to go to UConn. Uh, people, depending on what story you believe about Sean Miller, that he turned Pitt down or Pitt turned him down, there is a growing sentiment out there that if it's Pitt that turned down Miller, Pitt should change its mind and double back and hire him and worry about his FBI problems later because it doesn't look like there's any hardcore evidence against Miller as evidenced by him still right now having the job at Arizona And if he does get fired, it'll be because he lost in the first round of the tournament to to Buffalo. And by the way, their coach, Nate Oates, is apparently in the frame for the pit job now, even though he only has one victory ever of any note. Some people are talking about Mike Hopkins, the coach at Washington, Pac-12 coach of the year, but he's only been there one year. He's not leaving, not for 0-18. He's just not. But that's Pitt fans. Pitt fans will just pull a name out their rectum because he looks like, in their twisted logic, he'd be a good fit of Pitt. Yo, there's no way the Pac-12 coach of the year is leaving Washington after one year when he has things there clearly headed in the right direction. And, you know, second round of the NIT, that, that Pitt would kill for second round of the NIT right now. And if it gets better at Washington, guess what? In another year or two or three, he'll get a much better job than Pitt. That's the thing a lot of the Pitt yokels, the yahoos, don't understand. It's just a crap job. You're going to a team that lost all 18 conference games last year and has two players or whatever on the roster right now. Who the frig would want that job? And I answer, apparently nobody does. Let's go to Mike in the car. Mike, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark, uh, most memorable Sydney goal, uh, I would have to say, would be November of 11 when he took the 10 months off for his uh, neck and concussion issue. He scored a goal in his comeback against the New York Islanders. Yeah, it was a back end. It was, it was a pretty good shot. Yes. I mean, it's yeah, not yeah, the but the problem with that but... was, in and of itself, and I remember that night, it was very exciting. I was very happy Sid came back and scored that goal and apparently was on the the path to greater glory again, but he wasn't, was he? That turned out to be a false dawn, and a lot of his symptoms and problems reoccurred before he really got back on track fully. Boy, it must have been a year after that, right? Yes. They call that the puck jackal. Huh? Let's go to Jeremy on 79 North. Jeremy. Good Thursday afternoon, Mr. Madden. And two yins. Uh, I don't know if you ever heard this. When when you're having a problem trying to sneeze, you look up at the lights, and that that will oftentimes get it out. Just a side note. <laughs> um, piggybacking on what you said about Broussard possibly moving up the Sid's line to get him going, uh, that was kind of what I had in mind for reconfiguring the lines because then head coach Sullivan can have his cake and eat it too. If you put Broussard, Crosby, and Hornquist together, then you can have Haglin, Malkin, and Russ. Then you can have Gensel, Shane, and Kessel. Yeah, that, that doesn't help Sid. That doesn't help Sid. You're going no? for that false balance. That's what I call it, false balance, 
because you have your three stars on separate lines, mm. but none of them, with the exception of Malkin, none of the, none of them even until Malkin last night have been producing or looking like they should with that false balance in place. Am I right? Well, what, I mean, hasn't Malkin been on a tear since the start of the new year? And he's had uh, the last been... the last like maybe ten days. I mean, you know, he's still doing fine, but but it seems like playing on separate lines, with the exception of Geno. You know, again, in that tear you just talked about, it seems like they lack explosiveness. Like, they don't take over games anymore. Right. When's no, the last time yeah. Sid took over a game? Man, it's been a minute. I mean, that, that goal last night is beautiful as yeah, it was. Yeah, Kessel, but... too, although Kessel really doesn't take over games. Kessel, and I mean this in the best way possible, he, he just, he's the last guy to pass the puck or the last guy to shoot the puck. Other than that, he doesn't do much, but he does that so well, you got to love him. But, but you know, in the if you move Broussard to wing with Sid, then you have too many wings for not enough spots. Who do you drop all the way down to fourth line? Well, I think you got to look at Sherry or Reese, Aston Reese. Okay, um, like, like, but you'd have to drop two of those. Both of those? I mean, and, and plus which, do you think Shane's good enough to play with Kessel? Well, I didn't, but, but they showed some really good chemistry. Together. No, they didn't. Uh, no, they didn't. No? They That's showed app, they showed they goals. showed uh, all ten of them. Wow, all he's doing. Them, yeah. I know when you don't score for seventy whatever games, <laughs> like saying didn't last year in Detroit. But Kessel's got a lot of his points on the power play. Don't lose sight of that when we talk about who should be playing with Phil five on five. Again, my lines would be: Oh, is Joey coming to the studio? And it's four thirty, not four fifteen. Well, my prep sheet is wrong. Bob McLaughlin has screwed up like yesterday with the equipment. Bob didn't screw that up, but, but you know, it's amazing that despite all the mistakes that I have to wade through, like, like an old fisherman through a algae-filled pond in hip waders, that this show is still number one among men, 25 to 54. Tied with Sean McDowell. We'll find a way to get rid of Sean McDowell one of these days. Four one two three three three. Ninety nine thirty nine. No, Sean's the best. We share an office. He's one of the few people in this building I legitimately like. Sean McDowell and Bruce, Kathy's dog, tall Kathy's dog, who passed away. I miss Bruce. Bruce would often be in the studio while this show was going on. A couple times anyway. Looking for food. Then when he found there wasn't any, he would just leave. Come to think of it, I I do that a lot when I visit places. 412 333 the number to call. Yoey at 430. Pit fans. Like, seriously, you, you MF'd me on Twitter. You say, I don't know what I'm talking about. You never played basketball, fat ass. You know what? I could have last year for Pitt and not been their worst player. Tell me why the Pitt job is a job worth taking. And tell me if you would hire Sean Miller despite the FBI stuff. Do you see what I'm saying on that one? We haven't heard the wiretap. He's not been fired by Arizona. And it doesn't seem like there's any evidence against Miller except for he said, he said. I'd hire the guy. Pitt should double back and hire Sean Miller. 105.9X. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Double M, big fan, big fan. Well, no, I just said, I don't know what I said. I don't know what you said. Uh, double M. Yeah? The X at 105.9. 
Double M on the X. We got hockey talk with Josh Show at the bottom of the hour. Right now, I got some pit calls, and uh, let's see if people can convince me Pitt is an attractive job and tell me why Pitt should stay away from Sean Miller, which if I were Pitt, I'd reconsider and hire and deal with any FBI nonsense or he said, she said, he said, he said, rather, accusations later on. Because Sean Miller, people would be enthusiastic about him coming here. It's the two dozen cynics on Twitter who are worried about the FBI and the accusations and a wiretap we've never heard and evidence we've never seen. But the average Pitt fan, the one who would be buying a ticket if Sean Miller was hired as Pitt coach, would be over the moon if they brought Miller in from Arizona. Let's go to Mike in Penn Hills. Mike, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Hey, Mark. I was just wondering if there's any way that Sean Miller's not at Arizona this coming this coming next year. I was. Is there any way that he would even consider coming to Pitt? I know that's his alma mater and all, but why would he? Even maybe maybe he feels the Arizona situation's toxic for him. Maybe Arizona's about to fire him, and they're trying to let him, you know, pack a parachute with another job before they cut the cord there. You know, maybe he feels at one place he'll never get over the FBI thing, the ESPN story, but maybe at his alma mater, they'd give him a chance. Now, ironically, uh, the Xavier coach might go to Louisville, and I could see Xavier taking Sean Miller back because they trust him and they're familiar with him because he had such a great run of success there. But if I were Pitt, I would reconsider, and if Sean Miller wants to come coach Pitt, I would I would hire him for certain. Let's go to Red and Whitehall. Red, you're on with Double M. Hey, thanks for taking the call. I agree 100% with you that they should hire him, but I'm in the court of the last caller. I don't think he would want to come here, especially with what they did to Stallings. I'm not sure this is as an attractive job as people think it is. Well, the thing with Sean Miller might be, like I just said, he might feel Arizona's toxic for him. Uh, He did just lose in the first round to Buffalo, and he's been eliminated in the NCAA tournament by double-digit seeds in each of the last three years. Maybe he just figured it's a fresh start. Like I said, maybe Arizona's allowing him to find a place to jump before they push him to get hired before he gets fired. Um, you know, the FBI thing will hang over Sean Miller's head, uh, going for a lot of jobs, but not Xavier because they trust him from past experience and not here in Pitt because beggars can't be choosers. The fact that I'm saying it would be a sound move to hire a guy under FBI investigation shows the status of the Pitt program, which is at the bottom of the toilet bowl. That's what the Pitt basketball program is. It is worse off, and I say this again, Pitt basketball right now is worse off than any sports team in the history of Pittsburgh ever. Let's go to DJ in the car. DJ, quickly, you're on with Mark. Good day, Mr. Madden. Uh, What's up? I have some ideas about what the Penguins lineup should look like going into the playoffs here. Uh, Crosby definitely needs some wingers, um, and I agree that we shouldn't spread out the talent. We should have Crosby, Broussard, and either Kessel, or I'm sorry, uh, either Hornquist or Aston Reese up there with Crosby to get him. Well, it would have to be Hornquist because Aston Reese, I mean, he can't play right wing, but yeah. Agreed. Um, and then that second line should look like. Well, I think, Gensel, I think Gensel and Crosby are a good fit, too. But Gensel has to be the third best player on the line if he's going to play with Sid. Right, and that would bump him down the third line center. Um, but that's no, they're not going to do that, so there's no point talking about it. 
Right. Okay. Well, the, I, the, I mean, the they didn't trade. Line. They didn't trade for Derek Broussard to make Jake Gensel the, the third line center. Broussard at wing would mean Shane is the third line center, and I don't know. I guess Josh Joris or or uh, Carter Ronnie is the fourth line center. And, and now that Broussard and Sid had good games last night, I think Broussard's going to stay at center for the time being. And, and, and really, I'm probably just talking to hear myself talk. Because I think that, that Mike Sullivan is going to keep Kessel, Malkin, and Sid on separate lines, win or lose. Josh Shelley up next, 105.9. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. So, uh, what's happening? He's a little guy. Huh? What? I'd love to get the ball to say what you want to say. Very good point. The X at 105.9. We have comedian Bill Burr next hour. Bill's at the Benedum for a couple shows uh, in early April. We'll give you the details on that. In just a little bit. Oh, April 6th at the Benedum. 7 p.m. show is sold out. 10 p.m. show tickets still remaining. That's Bill Burr at 5.30 here on the X. I'm joined now by Bob McLaughlin. Bob, uh, what was your take on the Sid goal? Uh, I think it's one of his better goals ever. I don't know if it goes so far to say best. Yeah, I know exactly what you and Josh are talking about just a little bit. Uh, you know, full disclosure, Mark, when it first happened, I didn't realize that he had tipped up to himself like that and then backhanded it in. I really didn't catch it, but when they slowed it down and you see that that was Gensel's shot to Sid Stick up in the air, catch it, I mean, at full speed, gets it and backhands it. Pretty incredible. My favorite Sid goal ever, though, uh, a caller brought it up earlier. It was the one against the uh, Canadiens. It was the shootout at the end of the game. He ended it. It hit the water bottle. Oh, and he did that like that hop step. He and did put, the hop put step. Put the back end over Jose Tador. It's exactly it. And then he hit it. He he nailed the water bottle. And if it must have gone 15, 20 feet up in the air, that was game. Put the arena. It, it was madness at the arena. That I think my... Sid was only 19 then as well. Oh. Second year. And, and that was a sign of things to come. Uh, I think his best goal was when he split the Buffalo defense last year and put in the one-handed backhand. And you could stir in all those one-on-fours we talked right. about against the Rangers, against... Montreal. I mean, uh, we've talked about four or five one-on-four goals against Anaheim that Sid has scored during his career. But my favorite goal, it's got nothing to do with, you know, the artistry. It was when he got his teeth knocked out against Philadelphia, Philadelphia as a rookie yeah. and then got the breakaway in overtime and, and scored. And then when he got named first star in Philly, he took the spin around the rink, <laughs> which, which normally guys don't do on the road, right? So that was when we knew Sid was one of us, uh, Gaba Gaba. And uh, that, that, that to me, is still Sid's most memorable goal. Uh, tomorrow, Bob, I don't know if you've been invited to sit in on this, but the Pitt Athletic Board will meet to discuss the coaching search. And, boy, they got a lot to talk about, don't they? Oh, my gosh. Um, you know, I know that there's no overwhelming names right there or, or out there right now. Uh, well, you, know what, but, but I, you know what I find uh, curious? Now the Pitt fans are talking about this guy, Mike Hopkins, at Washington. Mm -hmm. Pac-12 coach of the year, been there one year. He's just not leaving. I agree with you. Okay, and I wonder if the Pitt athletic board, if if Heather like, if they talk about a guy like that, or if they, you know, because they're professionals and they're supposed to know what they're doing, no, he's just not going anywhere. I, I don't know how they think because they just look so ridiculous to this point. I don't know what they do now, Mark, other than the names that they've got out there. You know, you got to interview, you got to get somebody, but I'm more and more agreeing with your uh, notion that they go back to Sean Miller and see if he's still interested at all. Because if, if he Pitt, was, because there's such a clouded picture 
of what went down during the discussions between Sean Miller and Pitt. Exactly. If you're going to believe that Pitt shut the door on that because people even higher up than Heather Lake said, look, uh, we don't want the legal ramifications going on with this. And that, That's I believe, to... is the latest rumor, right? That, right. That, that Pitt's uh, high up muckety-mucks that Heather Light was at an impasse with herself. Right, and they made which, the decision. What a, great, what a great decision maker she is if she's at an impasse with herself, and they made the decision that it wouldn't be worth the risk. But I think when you look at the state of Pitt's basketball, it would be worth the risk. It would be worth the risk. I don't know if that is salvageable right now because of the way it went down and because of the time elapsed. But all you got to do, Mark, you can get him all the money in the world. If he's successful, great. If the investigation turns out that he is culpable, you put it in the contract that that money, he forfeits it. You know, you give him cause that if he is found to have had any transgressions... He forfeits every dime he's owed after that point. Exactly. You don't make him give back what he's paid, and you certainly don't give him a signing bonus. I don't know if that's part and parcel of college coaching contracts, but you're right. The minute that that he is found, you know, guilty, you know, suspended by the NCAA, whatever the fallout of that FBI thing would be, uh, then he and Pitt cut ties cleanly right then and there. But I just don't see or hear any hard evidence against Sean Miller. And I think ESPN's reporting is so shoddy, I would believe just about anybody before I believe ESPN. Well, from what I think happened is that somebody heard the tape and just put Sean Miller's name on there because he's adamant that that's not him and that he never said that. And if he's that adamant, you have to believe him that he's not going to be there because if there's any doubt that that's going to turn up in Discovery, I don't think he would be that adamant. I don't think he would be out there, you know, planting the flag like he has. I I, I agree with that. Uh, Again, there's no moral morals cause when it comes to winning in college basketball. <laughs> right, it's college basketball we're talking about. Yeah, I, I would take a chance with Sean Miller if indeed they see it as a Where's risk. Sonny Vaccaro right now? Doesn't he solve all these problems? Uh, Sonny's still around, but I don't think he's as active. I don't know if he works for shoe company anymore. Hey, mm-hmm. whenever, I, whenever I worked in wrestling, okay, and I was flying every weekend, I would see Sonny like two times a year. We'd just be on the same flight or in the same waiting area. Every single time I saw Sonny, true story, because he remembered me from the Post-Gazette, because I would help him a little bit with the round ball, the, the high school all-star oh, game. Oh, and it was huge back, back then. then. Every time I saw Sonny, if he had my size of shoes in his bag, he would give me a brand new pair of whatever shoe company he was working for. Wonderful man, Sonny Vaccaro. Up next, this is a good episode of The List because I'm going to spit fire on this one. If you were at the hockey game last night, and you watch the Jumbotron during warm-up, you know what I'm talking about. 105.9 The X. This is Sidney Crosby of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden and the best hockey talk on 105.9 The X. Joining us now, battling the residue of strep throat from TheAthletic.com. He is a real-life Rambo. We welcome to studio Josh Showy. Uh, Josh, uh, Sid scored that goal last night where he juggled the puck with his stick. Is that one of his best goals of all time? Where does that goal rate? Thank you for the introduction first. That was very, very kind of you. Um, It wasn't the best one I've ever seen him play. It was maybe the quirkiest. You're right. It didn't look like a hockey play at all, really. Um, If I had to pick one or a couple, and the one in Buffalo last year, the one-handed backhand where he split through two waves of defense. Now, to put that in perspective, that goal was scored at the end of a first period. 
And after the period, I went up to Mike lying. I said, Mikey, have you ever seen anything like that? And he just uttered about 14 expletives. And I, I said, <laughs> you know what? If you get that out of Mike, then that, that was a special goal. And you remember the goal he scored against um, the Islanders in the playoffs in 2013? Uh, people compared it to the, the statue goal that Mario scored back Where in Where he kind of went one on four. Yeah, that was that was uh, but, something but Josh, to see. But Josh, he's also, like, we were, we were talking before, me and the Hoi Polloi, and there are like two or three times where he went one on four. Like, like he yeah. has certain kinds of goals that are spectacular, but he scores them more than once. Like all the bank shot goals. Yeah, I, I bet, I bet if we went back, we could pick a, like seven or eight bank shot goals. With the most memorable for me being off of King Henry's face into the net. Yeah, and, uh, he's like a musician who goes through different phases with different genres of music. Uh, back in when he was twenty twenty one, he was just splitting defenders and scoring. In fact, before the the famous uh, golden goal, he tried to do it to uh, the American defenders about five seconds before Aginla found him. Uh, he was going through that phase at that time. He did it very well. Last year was the bank shot phase. He scored about seven goals uh, behind the goal line, so I don't know what he has in mind next. But uh, he, he does stuff like that in practice all the time, by the way. that goal. I've seen him score that goal in practice before. Never seen him do it in a game. But uh, to do it to carry Price adds to the lore a little bit, I would say. Now that goal and, and the win, duly noted. Last night was kind of another blah game for the Penguins. What was good? What was bad? They've been blah for about a month, Mark. Um, they had that run through February where they looked indomitable. Um, since then, I, I think they're 6-5-1 and one in their last 12, something like that. They've just been okay. Uh, in general, there's kind of a cavalier nature to how they're playing the game right now. They are giving up way too many scoring opportunities. And I realize Casey DeSmith might not be the next coming, but look at the chances he had to stop. He had to stop a penalty shot. He had to stop a breakaway 20 seconds into the game. Odd man rushes left and right the last few weeks. Um, They are not careful enough with the puck right now they are not paying enough attention in the defensive zone uh, to me right now they're a team that looks a little more interested in how many goals it can score as opposed to how many games it can win and that can change in the playoffs sure but it's not really a, a very becoming habit well an nhl scott told me last night that the penguins quote just want the playoffs to start tomorrow unquote uh that that's the problem do you agree uh to some extent perhaps i, I think there's something to that but that doesn't excuse some of the bad habits that we. Oh seen no, not excuse, but maybe a reason. It might be. I mean, listen, if the Penguins win the division, will that help them out in terms of home ice advantage and opponents? Perhaps. Do they really care that much if they win the division? No, I, I don't sense that they do. I'm sure they would like to. Uh, that game against Washington on Easter Sunday coming up. Yeah, that's a huge game. But they don't really care, Mark. They want to be healthy. And they just want to start the tournament. So yes, I think there's an element of truth to that, but it doesn't necessarily excuse everything. I think the Penguins need to forget about balance among three lines and consolidate their talent on the top two lines. The stars don't look like stars right now or, or produce enough, I don't think. Uh, I think that's fair. Um, I, ideally, it makes sense to have them on three different lines in a playoff setting. Well, I, that's what's going to happen, don't you think? Yeah, I do. Sully loves that model. Yes, that's absolutely what Sullivan wants. Um, the problem is Sidney Crosby in the top line. It has been for a while now. Uh, Sid's putting up an okay number of points, but a lot of that is power play related. He has not looked comfortable with his line mates really all season. And now some of that's on Sid. I mean, you know, he's obviously, he's notoriously picky, uh, you know, for a lot with line mates. He doesn't like playing with Patrick Hornquist. He's not comfortable and, with him. And Hornquist is the best choice on the team to play with them. And I know and Sid don't like him. And I know for a fact Mike Sullivan thinks that, but Sid has some power in who he plays with, obviously. Uh, it makes, to me, a lot of sense just to play Hornquist and Gensel with Sid. I think that's a very good top line. Because that makes Gensel the third best forward on the line. 
And I think being a second-year guy who's played you know, a lot of games and probably is wilting physically a bit, I think that's the best spot for him. It might be because Gensel hasn't looked himself for quite some time, has he? I know he played a pretty good game last night. He did. But, uh, he's been in the doghouse a little bit. He got benched in Brooklyn the other night for some uh, defensive work that Sullivan wasn't very happy with. Um, it's very curious that a team that is scoring this many goals, and no team has scored more goals since January 1st than the Penguins, but yet I can't tell you, I don't have a clue who their top three lines are going to be when the postseason starts in three weeks. It's kind of a weird thing. I know that, that Malk and Kessel and Sid will be on separate lines, but you're right past that. It, it's tough to figure. But, you know, I think it's really important to get Sid going because Sid has the last two playoff MVPs and the Penguins won two Stanley Cups. I think that says it all about the importance of Sid producing in the postseason. With all due respect to Gino and Phil Kessel, as Sid goes, so go the Penguins in the postseason. You're absolutely right, Mark. And uh, I believe you, you said earlier the Penguins had the fewest power plays in the league since February 1st. Correct. And listen, they're not going to get many power plays in the playoffs. That's the way it is. Yeah, they do have the best power play in the league. It's not going to win them a playoff series. It might win them a game here and there. I'm sure it will. But you've got to score five on five if you want to win in the playoffs. And in particular, when you're the Penguins, they are not a great defensive team, Mark. We've seen it all year. Uh, Matt Murray's a terrific goaltender, but he's not the kind of guy who steals series. They need to score three to four goals a game in the playoffs to win, and, and they're capable, but to do so, they've got to figure out their lines. And, and there is a sense from the head coach that there has been frustration all season on his part. What's the first thing he does when, when something goes wrong? He changes the lines. He's not comfortable with any of the combinations. I don't think Sid is either, so that's probably the most important thing they need to figure between now and the middle of April. We're talking to Josh Shelley of TheAthletic.com. He's brought to you by the Orthopedic Institute at Monongahela Valley Hospital. Uh, Broussard's starting to come around, uh, isn't he? I thought he played a real good game last night. He did, and, you know, this is kind of a cop-out, but I don't think he can really be accurately judged until the playoffs come. This has always been a guy who thrives in the playoffs, and when you look at him, he hasn't been bad. I just think he's been kind of indifferent, honestly. Well, it reminds me of Hosa when Pittsburgh got him in 08. And I'm yes. certainly not comparing Broussard to Hosa because Hosa is a Hall of Famer. But, like, I remember Hosa got hurt. And then when he played some games in the regular season, it was like, why'd we get this guy? No. We traded Army for this guy? You're right. But then in the playoffs, he was absolutely brilliant. No, he, he may have won the Conn Smythe if the Penguins won the Cup that year. He was that good in the postseason. I think he and Sid tied uh, with points. But you're right, it took him a couple of weeks. And, you know, it's the same thing with Broussard. He's coming from a completely different style of play. And he's not getting the ice time he's used to either, Mark. When you come to Pittsburgh, you're not going to be on the top power play. You're well, not playing on the top line. And he's not on a line where he takes control either, which gets me back to my theory about putting Gino and Phil on one line and then Sid, Hornquist, and Gensel. Then maybe your third line's the more third-line style third line with Broussard and Rusted, let's say, Haglin or Sherry. And then Broussard kind of takes over more, uh, injects himself into the situation more. I think that's interesting. He would be the best player on the line then, and, and that's what As he's, he's often been. Yeah, that's what he's used to, and I'm glad you mentioned Brian Rust. Isn't he an interesting guy in all of this? We've seen Rust on the top line a lot. I'm a believer that Rust makes every line better that he's on, except for Crosby's line. I don't like those two together. I never have. Really? I kind of do, see, but, but I, why? I just, I don't know. I don't think they think the game the same way, and I just, I, I like Rust a lot. 
I would give him a lot of money this summer, but I still view him as a bottom six player, a very good one. But uh, Rusty's restricted, right? He is. If he if he could finish consistently, oh. they'd build a statue of him. Right. They certainly wouldn't be able to afford him if he could finish. Much like Carl Haglin, they they should sit in the same corner in the locker room for for, for that matter. But um, no, I, I, Rustin Bursard on the third line, maybe. Uh, the point is. The Penguins have options. They absolutely do. And I'm very interested to see what Mike Sullivan does in the last couple of weeks because I, I, I don't know, and I don't know if he knows right now. In, in that vein, does Sullivan try too hard to carve out a bigger role for Riley Shane? You see him jumping up at wing on Crosby's line occasionally. Uh, he has 10 goals. He, he went almost an entire season in Detroit last year without scoring even <laughs> one goal. To me, he's the fourth-line center, period. Real good at that job. But but that's his job. I agree. He's a very good fourth-line center. I, here's the issue. Mike Sullivan has a few forwards. We'll call them Jake Gensel and Connor Sherry, to name a couple, who he's not very enamored with in terms of their current defensive work. Right. So when the Penguins have a lead in the third period, you're going to see Riley Shea. And, oh, no, hold it. That, that I and, get. And I, that I get. And I don't think it'll be much more than that. He did very similar things with Matt Cullen. He, okay, well, if that's the pattern, I'm actually all for it. it. Now, the thing is, Colin was a little more skilled than Shane, so he, he looked more comfortable getting a shift with, with Crosby or Malkin, where Shane, he's just not going to score much. You know that. So I think that's what you will see. And in that from that standpoint, Shane is a very useful player, and he can win face-offs, too, with those guys. So it makes sense, but I wouldn't be giving him too much ice time. He's a very good fourth liner. I don't think he's anything more than that. Montreal got at least three breakaways last night, a ton of odd man breaks. Where's that coming from? Is it just me, or are the defensemen jumping into play not so much too often, but too early? Yeah, uh, I hate to isolate one guy because we've been talking about him all year, and we both love him, Mark, but Chris Letang again, 18 seconds into the game. It was inexcusable what he did. Uh, Jake Gensel's in a puck battle on the wall, and Letang just assumed he was going to win it and bolted toward the neutral zone, gave the guy a breakaway. Chris has to know better than that. I, I think Chris is playing a lot better than he was earlier this season, no question. But, boy, he is still responsible for an awful lot of goals against right now and a lot of opportunities against. So I hate to isolate just him. Well, now let me play but, devil's advocate here. He's cut his plus minus from like minus 20 to minus 5 in the, in the last month or so. And if any defenseman does join the play, I want it to be Chris Letang. Whereas I see like Ruedel. <laughs> Jumping into play every chance he gets. Now, to be fair, I know the coaches want that. Right. But if Ruedel gets the puck on the third pass, jumping in, what's he going to do with it? Not much, presumably. I think that's your point. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, listen, Chris is. And then if it gets turned over, here they all come the other way. All right. To get back to Chris, he's absolutely playing better now than he was in November. There's no question. But I, I still think he has another gear he needs to get to, and there's still too many mental errors. But you're right. Uh, they, you know, there were defensemen jumping into the play while shorthanded last night, protecting a four-three lead with ten minutes left. But the coaches want them to do that. I guess I know it's part of their system. It's just. And again, I will say this: they <laughs> say the coaches want them to do that. I've heard the coach say otherwise. Yeah, I don't always hear Sullivan say that, but um, no, they they just play high octane hockey markets. It's just who they are. I understand it's part of the Penguins' DNA. Uh, they're not much for sitting back, are they? Well, I'm not worried about Tanger. Tanger's uh, he's getting there. He is. He, he's an experienced hand. He's played well since the beginning of January. And I think that's his job to jump into play. He's got that candy bar, too, which is really good if you have it. Really good. Pretzel yeah. and, and, and Chris Rice, it's unbelievable. Yeah, it is. Saris Candies, get your Latang bar today. <laughs> and no, ladies, it's not that kind of Latang oh, bar. Oh, for God's sake. And, uh, but uh, but it just, it just, I'd like to see them play scoring situation a bit more. 
And just maybe a little more fundamentally, if you're not Chris Letang, a bit more. No, I completely agree. There should be different rules for defensemen who are not Letang. Maybe Schultz can be in that mold a little bit too, but uh, I agree with you. You know, we said the same thing last postseason too, Mark, and they just have a way of getting away with it. They're, they're the kind of team that extends advantages more than it protects leads. Right. And when they're up 2-1 in the third, they're just trying to make it 4-1, and more times than not, they pull it off. Uh, if they play the wrong team, maybe that will be an issue. But, um, yeah, there's some things to shore up before the playoffs. There's no question. How big are the two games this weekend? Uh, New Jersey tomorrow, Philadelphia Sunday, both here in Pittsburgh. What are the consequences of these games? Well, they're both huge, Mark. Um, look at the standings. I mean, listen, yeah, the Penguins are two points behind the Caps. They should, they could certainly catch them, even though it won't be easy because Washington has a game in hand. But let's say the Penguins get swept this weekend, just, you know, hypothetically. Then all of a sudden, they have to go to New Jersey next week, by the way. The schedule doesn't really get that much easier. They could be passed by Philly and Jersey in the standings, or Columbus, and any of them, really. Uh, Jersey would be tougher, but what if Columbus and Philly passes the Penguins? Then all of a sudden, you're a wildcard team. You've got you know Washington or Tampa or Boston, theoretically, in the first round. That's a problem. You, you don't want to take that road. Well, this is the year you don't want to switch the Atlantic. No, not at all. And it, it's unlikely, but if they lose two or three in a row, it could happen. If you take care of business this weekend, especially against Philly, which might be the bigger game, you're pretty comfortably I think locked. if you get three points this weekend, minimum, yeah. I think I think it would be tough to drop lower than third after I that. I do, too. And the 2-3 series is very comfortable for them because if they get that series mark, they probably get Philly or Columbus in the first round. I think those are their two best matchups in the division. Uh, New Jersey, 2-0 and against Pittsburgh this season. Why is that? Uh, I know New Jersey's a lot faster than they used to be. But that still doesn't quite add up. The Penguins have trouble scoring against New Jersey. That's the part I don't get. Let's see how this game works out. I'm very curious. Uh, Jersey is at the end of a brutal road trip. They've just gone through Nashville, Vegas, and the California swing. Now they're back in Pittsburgh. Um, the Penguins are relatively fresh for this game. The Penguins got crushed in Jersey back in February. Remember, the night before, the Penguins beat the Caps in a very emotional game. Then they had to go to Jersey where the Devils were waiting. You just had the sense that game meant more to the Devils. Let's see how this one plays out. Jersey's good. Uh, they're a playoff team. They're legit. Their team speed has given the Penguins fits. They're having a bit of a goaltending quandary right yeah, now. Yeah, they are. Um, I think Kincaid <laughs> might start the playoffs for New Jersey. I think Grabauer might start the playoffs for Washington. Boy, wouldn't that be interesting. You should check out Braden Holtby's numbers, by the way, since February 2nd. Oh, when they're the, they're, they're when tragic. The, it was when the Penguins lit him up. The, did the Penguins break Braden Holtby? I don't know. They, they've had their way they with that They broke Jim Carrey. Yes. They've broken Capitals goalies before. They certainly have had their way in our nation's capital. That, that, that is correct. Um, very interesting situation. We know who the Penguins goaltender is, and we know how important that is when the playoffs come. That is Josh Shelley from TheAthletic.com. I'm Mark Madden. We got Bob McGaugh next, 105.9.